1: And I am the publisher of Spirit Seeker Magazine, and I have been hosting this radio show in this format for four years and have been on the air since 2006. So um, what I love about Blog Talk is that it's a virtual blog. The minute the interview is uh, completed, it is available to listeners any time of the the day or night at their their leisure. And we know you listen because we get the stats. And we just want to thank you for supporting the show, for supporting Spirit Seeker magazine. We've been published for 20 years um, and we've been online since 1998. So um, I'm going to just do a few more, a couple more announcements, and then um, bring my guest onto the air. So, what I would like to announce is that Spirit Seeker is um, very busy this summer. We uh, just had magazines at the Bhakti Fest. In Wisconsin, we um, had magazines that Celebrate Your Life Conference, uh, we were in Kansas City at a conference, we've been uh, at another Chicago conference, we'll be at the Veggie Fest conference, and um, most importantly, we will be at the Transformation Conference uh, in Arkansas coming up in July, and we'll be hearing about that conference tonight. Now, the last announcement before we go into tonight's interview is that in order for you to find out about all of these wonderful events happening in the Midwest, but we also let you know about the USA and into Canada, is to be on our email list. Um, And we don't sell our list, so what happens is you just get a notice in your email box about the wonderful radio show guests, when the magazine is online, um, and all of these different events that are happening so, in order to be part of our email list, you um, just send an email to info, I-N-F-O, at spiritseeker.com, and just say, please add me to your email list. We also do regular drawings and surprise our email newsletter people um, with CDs and books and wonderful things. So, I don't know. It's all it's all fun. Okay. So, now, all of that aside, tonight, um, we're going to be talking to Blair Syrah, who was one of the keynote speakers at the July 17th, 17th through 19th Transfer, uh, Transformation Conference uh, brought to you by Ozark Mountain Publishing. And um, Dolores Cannon and, of course, Julia, but Dolores Cannon is the one who started it, and her daughter, Julia, is carrying on um, now that Dolores has um, gotten her wings, shall we say, and crossed over to the other side. But Dolores was a just an amazing person, and um, as we go through the interview, we'll talk about her um, because she is why we have the Transformation Conference. She is why we have the publishing house where she works with uh, authors in the U- UK and the U.S. Um, she was one of the very first paranormal um, investigators uh, in the U.S. and in the world. She was a hypnotherapist that developed a technique that – Um, You know, she was in and out of China, in and out of Russia. I could just go on and on about Dolores, Um, and she was a gifted regressionist as well as investigator, scientist, but spiritual uh, leader and tapped in at a whole different level. Okay, so tonight, um, Blair Syrah uh, is the guest, and he is one of, as I said, one of the keynote speakers. He was born in Canada and ha- lived there in his early um, early part of his life. And then in 1971, he and his family immigrated to um, Auckland, New Zealand. As a child, he always um, had this feeling of a very close connection with God and eventually discovered his ability as a spiritual channel. And he has been uh, working in this capacity publicly since the early 1990s. He channels an entity called Tabash well and I will um let him describe that. But what I can tell you is um I'm just delighted to have um have Blair's my guest. So Blair, I know you're there. So welcome, welcome and thank you for joining us tonight.
0: Oh uh, look it's wonderful to be able to <clears throat> talk to you all. Uh, we're in a beautiful winter's day here in, in Wellington, New Zealand. And sunshine in blue sky and um, you know, it's one of those days where you just feel that God's walking with you all the time. And I'm so wow. looking forward to coming over to the um, States um, in a couple of weeks and coming to the summer I, as well.
1: <laughs> right, right. Well, luckily, where you're going in Arkansas, um, they have not had the rain. But I, I live in St. Louis. Our rivers are over the banks. And we've had rain almost every day for two weeks. It's so unusual. And um, we have the Mississippi and the Missouri rivers. Most people think of, you know, the Midwest. You know, you're kind of like in the middle of the country and not a big deal. I mean, oceans. I mean, you know, what, what do what do we get? Right? <laughs> we get floods and tornadoes. And so Mother Nature's just really been interesting. But you'll be fine. Where you're going is in. Have you have you been to Arkansas uh, in in that area yet?
0: Yeah. Yes, I have. This will be the oh, fourth time I've done the transformation conference. Oh, so oh, yeah. uh, I know the area quite well, and uh, I remember one of the trips that I made, uh, Dolores, who's just the most wonderful friend of mine still is, um, she took me to her hometown of Fayetteville, and um, I enjoyed all the beautiful energy and the warmth and the humidity. So, yeah, I know the area well.
1: Oh, that's sweet. Well, it's beautiful. It's God's country there. It's just, um, you just feel like you're in these, Hills and just beauty everywhere. So, you know, Blair, I am, um, you know, Dolores was a keynote speaker at my conference and I, you know, have been to her private office, but I've never been to her conference. So maybe um, you would be willing to tell us just a little bit about your experience with this conference and um, just, just whatever you want to share.
0: Well, first of all, I think one of the things that I noticed the most was um, the most amazing collective energy of like-minded people Um, Not just the the speakers who speak, but people from all over the world. Interesting, when I was there last year at the conference, um, there were several people from New Zealand who I was familiar with but didn't know were going to the conference. So it's like an amazing core energy center where people are there to gather knowledge, but obviously to participate um, in this great sharing, if you like, of um, God's power, their own collective energy and their experiences, their ideas, their, their knowledge. Um, a lot of people who attend these conferences are obviously practitioners on holistic levels, but you know, you've know got to admit that there are also people who are doctors, people who are lawyers, people who cover all spectrums of of, of life and, and its experiences. And just the people, the energy, it's just absolutely amazing. And You, you feel that you're in this absolutely amazing bubble of, of harmony and healing the whole time you're actually there. In fact, I swear that the whole time I'm there, I'm in an altered state of consciousness, and and it is a beautiful experience. You're a participator, but you're also um, allowing yourself to, you know, observe at the same time on all these different levels. And, you know, I thoroughly recommend, you know, going to these things because there's an awful lot of people so, you know, more gods that there are in one place then the more you're gonna buzz out all that energy basically.
1: <laughs> right, right. Well and you know, Julia has just done a seamless um you know, transition. You know, she took everything by the reins, you know, after mm-hmm. Dolores cross and, you know, right before the um, made her transition, she took over the UFO conference, you know, and yes. sold the thing out for changed changed all kinds of things. But um but this is the 28th Ozark oh, – I'm sorry, the 10th uh, Annual Ozark Mountain Transformation Conference. But mm. so They just hosted the 28th Annual Ozark Mountain uh, UFO Conference that they, you know, took over from that founder. I mean, I they're just busy. And then the publishing houses, um, you know, I, I noticed you have two books. Is it, is it two that are published or is it um, – you have Being Your Authentic Self, is that, yes, is that the, of the Okay. Anything well my, my first book
0: that I've I've published is called Don't Change the Channel which is a sort of an autobiographical teaching book of um that I wrote um a year ago. So it's my story and so I do chapter one and then Tabash comes in uh, chapter two doing a teaching if we go right through the book of that. Um, um my second book is actually not published yet, um, but um information that he's going to teach is about being your authentic self at, at, at the seminar.
1: So I love the title of the book, Don't Change the Channel. And <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'll, t- oh, I'll tell you what,
0: I'll, how I got that title. Uh, I was working uh, about four years ago in a place called Christchurch in New Zealand, which um, is quite famous recently because they had quite a major earthquake there and which pretty much destroyed the city. Anyway, they've got this amazing park called Hagley Park, and I often used to walk through there in the morning. And I made the decision to write this book. And as I was walking, I put out the thoughts of spirit, and I said, look, I'm going to do this book. I really want an amazing title. And straight away, I got this in my head. I burst out laughing, in the middle of all these people, they look at me like my elevator didn't go to the top floor. (laughs) But, um, yeah, what else could it be?
1: (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Well, and you know, there are still people, believe it or not, that are like, What is a channeler? What, 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 who is Tabash? And, um, and I know he's an ancient being coming through you. So, yes. um, let's go there next just to talk about, you know, I mean, and I understand, you know, so many people who are gifted with these, um, this, this, this amazing connection to spirit, oftentimes as children are very misunderstood. It It almost sounds like, um, you were nourished, or I don't know maybe i'm wrong but but uh but here you are from the time you were a child, just knowing that there was this deeper connection than the average person mm. perhaps knows about so let's let's hear your journey from um from knowing you had this connection and then how it came to me that you understood that you were channeling um this ancient uh being
0: yes well i was I was born in Canada, I spent the first eleven years of my life there. And we lived in an area just outside of Vancouver. And we were up this big hill, this big mountain area with a forest around. And I remember going to the local cemetery when I was about six years old um, and just soaking up the vibe, soaking up the energy, having no idea what I was really experiencing. But the experience of it just made me feel really peaceful and aligned. And I remember walking through forests and feeling safe and protected and just always aware of amazing consciousness that there was there was definitely something more than what was going on around in the everyday life. Um, my family made the big transition from Canada to Auckland, New Zealand in 1971. Um, I always still had that feeling, but at that point, it was like, right, Leah, you got to go out there and do some living and, and grow up and evolve and all those sorts of things. But it was really in my 20s where I discovered that I really had this ability the catalyst for this was my wife, she had breast cancer and at the time it wasn't a very good prognosis. So we started reading a lot of books, I started meditating, um, certain people started coming our way that were um mentors for us, if you like. And through this process I really made that link with source energy and really connected this with what I was feeling when I was a, a young boy. And it just all made sense and as, you know, the listeners who have gone through this, they'll understand that the moment you click that switch, it's almost as if all these doors open and you start attracting towards you people, experiences, thoughts, feelings, attitudes, ideas that just seem to make an awful lot of sense. And so I just kept on pursuing and pursuing and pursuing with it. And then what happened was that I went to this meeting and it was a woman who was a channel and she channeled the Egyptian goddess Isis. Well, I was in the audience. I'd never seen a channel before in my life. And anyway, I was giving this beautiful teaching and then suddenly stopped and stared into the audience and then pointed out into the audience and said, oh, you are a channel. And I thought she was sort of referring to some dude behind me. So I turned around and I think, oh, well, this is cool. This guy's a channel. Anyway, and she goes, no, 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 not him, you. And I remember going very red in the face and feeling like I just wanted to hide under the chair. Anyway, the longest thought of it was that I started to attend uh, some of the seminars that ISIS was running. And it was through one of her seminars that um, she put me in touch with Tabash and uh, introduced me to him. And then from that point on, um, I just started working with his energy and the degree where he started training me and, and teaching me and uh, making me aware of what our journey was together. And then, invariably, we got to the point where one day he said to me, I want to do a public meeting. We want to have our first public meeting. So I hired a, a room that had about 100 people. I had no idea how many people would come, whether it was going to be one or 50. Um, actually, 100 people came. And um, Tabash came, came through, and it's beautiful teaching. And for want of a better phrase, from there on, you know, it took off. <laughs>
1: <So>. <laughs> well, you were ready, and Tabash was ready to, to be heard again. I mean... Because he lived in Samaria in five thousand b c and that's great um i mean that's that's pretty amazing i mean when you when you when his voice comes through, is it actually like in a different tone of voice different um syntax with um sentences or is it you still your voice?
0: Yeah, my voice does change um it's not really an accent, and when I've listened to other people who have it, It's quite interesting. It's a very similar intonation that comes through. And what I've asked about it, um, what they're doing is that when they're working their consciousness through a physical body, they're organizing the vocal cords to come out in a, in a specific way. So you can't really say that Abash's voice is, is accent. It's just more the way that organizing my vocal cords. And, uh, and, and I've, I've had heard other channels have very similar infections actually, so uh, so it's not an accident.
1: <laughs> well, and you know, this is probably a silly question, but I'm going to act like there are no silly questions. That's um, good. How how do you turn it on and off? I mean, if you know what I'm asking. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, the,
0: well there's a process that I was taught. Uh, so when I'm doing a one-on-one session with people, we'll bringing tobacco. I just do this little thing in my head, a little a few words that um, are a bit like a code, I suppose. And so the moment I plug into that code, what happens is this process of me, my consciousness expanding beyond my physical body. Uh, what happens is that I actually go out and the lots of ashes actually talking uh, through me. Uh, I have no conscious memory of what he's actually saying to people when he's talking which is interesting. I'm sure there's lots of people who love to have a job where they have no memory of what they do. <laughs> right.
1: It's better now. But,
0: um, you know, it's, it, it, how can I put it? It's it, it, it just, let uh, uh, you close your eyes and you've opened the bump into somewhere else, basically. And then when Tabash is finished with what he's doing, he sends me a signal and then I basically just go through the process and reverse it, come back into my body. It doesn't take long. It only takes, at the most, up to 30 seconds, actually. And so I'll, I'll, I will I shake a little bit, which is just a transference of energy. And then the batch starts coming in and and um, sort of fit, fitting into the body. As, as he puts it, imagine that you're born someone's car and you have to make a few adjustments to the seat and put your seatbelt on and adjust the steering wheel and all that sort of stuff. <laughs>
1: right, right. Well, and I love... Um, I love how you describe Tabash on your website, so I'm just going to read it. It says, Tabash is a spirit, and he is as funny as he is wise. He is gentle and presentable. He is forthright and quiet. And he has his own particular way of presenting his message to this world, and that is the way that he is as his own personality self. One can sum up some of the messages of Tabash this way. and I, This is just so beautiful. We are all of God nature now we are all here to serve each other now we have all the answers to everything now every day we give life to ourselves on awakening and every day we have a choice on what we do with our life and that day we always have been the masters of our reality
0: now well, that never true a word is is written said or thought or anything like that um i just love bash's um way of understanding that there are really no degree of separation, that we are all just one point of consciousness. And There's another thing he says, which is, every day you wake up, you give yourself a chance of life again, and every day of your life, you have to decide you know, what shall you think, what shall you feel, what shall you do, uh, what way will you participate in life. And, you know, to me, it just makes so much sense. And um, I'll just share something with you which um, was quite interesting. When I, I think it was about the second year of going public with Sebastian and I was interviewed on national radio here so I went down to the studio and the woman who was doing the interview, she said to me on, on this was live, well, what's your philosophy? And so to the whole of the country I pretty much announced that well I believe that we're all God and I believe that we're all here to teach each other how to be God as well. Well there was this absolute gasp of silence and you know five seconds of silence on radio was quite long And then she sort of looked at me as she came back down to earth and said, well, I don't know why, but what you said makes sense. Well, from that moment on, all the phone calls were ringing up going, who's this guy saying that he's God and get him off the air (laughs) or that sort of thing. (laughs) But I realize now looking back, making that announcement, um, it was actually acted as a catalyst for me and my development and growth. And I mean, how many people get a chance to go on national radio and say I'm God publicly? (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah. Well,
1: how many people have a hundred people show up the very first time they come out? <laughs> well, that's nice. true.
0: That's true. <laughs> I, I, I think the, the the um, what do you call it? The jungle drama had gone out, gone a little bit. But uh, you know, well, once we did that meeting, then um, we started doing um, meetings. We ran big public meditation teaching meetings. Uh, we did that every week for about. Um, Golly. it was every two weeks, actually. Every two weeks for about um five years. And then we did it every month for about twelve years after that. And uh Sebastian would do a teaching and then he'd take the audience through a big meditation using music and he would weave this wonderful story around um the meditation and he always knew exactly what the music, what to say and you know, people are just having amazing experiences and we would get Regularly, two hundred people coming to these meditation teaching evenings, and the collective energy was absolutely astounding. You know, just the, the love that was in that room, the, the energy. People were able to take that with them and carry through um, through their weeks, through their work, whatever, and, and it was just such a healing. Actually, <clears throat>
1: mm-hmm. right. Well, and. Um I'll never forget, you know, I, this is a long time ago. My, um, it was actually 17, possibly 18 years ago. And I was uh, working with a channeler in Sedona. And she had been my spiritual mentor and teacher. And she was, um, she channels an, uh, an entity called uh, Sri Lanka. And so we were in this womb cave in Sedona. It's like this cave you have to hike to, it's really like desert. And here we are in this womb and so I did a past life regression with everyone and um and then my friend uh did the live channeling and, and from the time I was a little girl I, I would collect rocks. Um my stepfather's parents lived on a three hundred acre farm and you know, they had these tip mines and, and mm-hmm. you could find the most amazing crystals and so and then after that people just gave me crystals. I had never, ever studied how to use them but I just Knew how to use them, and so I'll never forget this. She says, "The reason when the when her channel came through, they said he said the reason you know so much about crystals is you were in um, you were the keeper of the crystals in Lemuria." Mm-hmm. And you know, you know how sometimes you just hear things and you just are like, "Wow, oh, that's so true." You just know it, you know it in your yeah. soul. And but I never before then even. I just didn't even know, but I had crystals everywhere, and just I don't even know how to explain it. And then I just always had these experiences. Um, you know, it's just part of part of um, part of when you're open and that close to God. I think um, I well, think absolutely I mean, it's amazing
0: when, when you yeah. get into what what I call an authentic place within yourself. Then it makes sense that you yeah. attract towards you authentic experiences that match up with your vibration. And I think also, too, that as souls, um, you know, we carry this unique vibration code that uh, is triggered off at certain times in our lives, opens up a gate to information that um, we carry within us, but also information that we want to teach ourselves. And and I think that never stops. And, and it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a, a big spiritual journey. It could be within people's careers or relationships. And I think we can all look back on our lives and suddenly realize Oh, yeah, I can see now why why that actually happened and and I just feel it's a bit like you' got the old swipe card and you swiped open that vibration and it opened up, and you're flooded with all this information or this experience or you attract towards you certain situations or people and isn't that a a great thing about when we're God then this happens, and we can actually see how life suddenly floods itself into our whole consciousness, but invariably. We still have to organize it, don't we, Cindy? <laughs>
1: oh, I know. I know. We're mere mortals, but we aren't.
0: <laughs> well, exactly. Well, well, I know, read somewhere where it said, um, uh, enlightenment's all very well, but you still have to do the housework.
1: Oh, I know. I know. I mean, you know, I, it's just, you know, it's just this funny thing. But, um, you know, when you're in the flow and you're open, that's where, I I mean, that's why I love the title of your talk that you're giving you know, at the transformation conference, being your authentic self. And um and you're you're the closing speaker for day one and you know everyone will be so excited and then there you come saying, you know, different ways and Tabash working through you how how to live authentically and in, in times that, you know, I mean I'm here on a college visit with my son and he's seventeen now and I had him at age forty two. So I turned sixty yesterday. So here we are you know, and I've raised six other six other kids. It's <laughs> like, you know, I know that I work What did you a do in a past life to deserve that? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've told many people that I've cleared a lot of karma because so much of my life has been in devotion to like raising kids and, you know, still doing my other soul journey. <laughs> and um
0: Well, it's interesting, it, yet, isn't it, when you think about the way life unfolds and acts catalysts, whether it's going up with your children as much as raising your children. Um, It's all part of the deal that we've actually made. And just getting back to what I was saying about my catalyst for this and my own spiritual journey, when my wife had breast cancer, well, four years ago she was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And so once again, her health issues are a trigger for more of me developing myself not just as God but as a human man and everything that actually goes with it. And right. I find it's been a fascinating journey because I just feel the presence of God and Spirit with me all the time, helping me with dealing with her issues, situation. I'm her major caregiver. And so when you're aligned to that higher energy, even though you might have a bad day, you just feel the peace and And you get the signals, you get the reminders. You know, as I wrote in my book, um, which was... Just at the back of the book, I said, "Being a spiritual being doesn't mean you stop being a human being. You, you, you still, you know, have all those issues and all those vibrations." I'll just quote from it. I'm always what I said was, "I'm always aware that my choice to be a channel for spirit will present me to myself in a very amplified way. I am God, yes, doing the work that I do, but I'm also a man who's living his life, being aware of his faults, wanting to improve his ideas, his ways, his life." Being of service to God does not make you infallible. So, you know, as you yourself have discovered.
1: <laughs> well, and it's it's, it's interesting. Um, nine years ago on my birthday, which, you know, was nine years ago yesterday, I was given the diagnosis of breast cancer. And it was a rare kind that they really don't know how to treat. And um, they said, you need to get your affairs in order. You know, if you're here in three years, you can clap your hands, but it's unlikely that you'll be mm. here in three years. And, you know, and I knew spirit was talking to me. I had gone through a divorce. My mother had died. I was, I was just, you know, even though I knew the divorce was the right thing, I was grieving, like just on a lot of different levels, highly functioning. No one, very few people knew, but, but I knew my soul was, um, was heavy. And so mm-hmm. when I got that diagnosis, I was like, you know what? I have I have a kid in college, another one going to college, and a nine year old, um, or maybe seven actually. And I was like, okay, you better, you better like figure this out right now. And, you know, I've always been able to talk to God. And, and it always amazes me when people say, You can't talk directly to God. You have to go through Jesus. And I'm like, What? What? I don't <laughs> know those rules. You know, like I've always talked to God. And he answers too. <laughs> so, so I just knew I had to change a lot of things. And, and I did. But, you know, you still, you so no matter what, you have to do the work. And to me, I love how Tabash would do the teachings but then do a meditation for you. Because to me, if we do not do meditation and, you know, especially at the level of, you know, the work that some of us and definitely you are doing, you have to go to the quiet and having, being a primary caretaker for an alternate, uh, you know, dear one, um, it's not an easy journey. And, And yet last month, Seeker, um in the June issue, we published an excerpt because it was National Aging Month. And it was it was this author who wrote about how dealing with their Alzheimer's partner had turned into a whole spiritual experience. Because mm-hmm. just being fully present with and knowing they're still in there. You know, it's just that, you know, with the mind, you know mm-hmm. I mean it's just a fascinating process.
0: Well, what you just made there, the point about being very present, uh, seems to be very important for people with with Alzheimer's. It certainly taught me about really, really paying attention to um what my wife's about but also listening. And just as an example, you know, sometimes she'll she'll say something and of course, you know, most people they'll say, Oh I beg your pardon, sorry, what did you say? In in a normal sort of scenario. But of course with Alzheimer's patients, often what they've said um, it's gone, and, and they can't repeat it. So it's made me be a lot more attentive, and I found that uh, by doing this, because I've been you know, doing this for four years now, um, it's made me a lot more aware of actually what's going on in the world. and I find that I'm hearing people differently, I'm seeing things differently, I'm feeling things differently, because it's like I've gathered um, aspects of myself and, and made myself more present as opposed to just get caught up into the routines and the rituals and all the things that we need to do. And, you know, I just feel so honored to be a part of this journey with her. And also watching her, uh, as I'm going to put it, transform more from her human nature or into her God nature because of this. And of course, when you're living that vibration, it's like how I'm looking at it that God is shining through my wife more than ever before. And that is a reminder to me of what, I'm actually living with. I'm living with God more through my wife, and, and you know it just astounds me sometimes when I look at the um, amazing energy that comes come through her eyes. It's like she's seeing things from a whole different zone, and and it's not attached to any of the human nature stuff. And and I just it's like a gift that you're being given every time you see that.
1: Right, but see, you are surrendered, and you are fully present. And that's Correct. where the difference is. And, you know, there was another um, another article that we published in the June issue. It was about a man in his 50s who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and he knew. I mean, he, he knew the prognosis, and he wrote a journal and um, documented his whole progress while he was, you know, um, still able to about, you know, he and his wife, like, knowing that in time his mind was going to change and how mm. sweet the relationship became because you know some people had good years good months oh no every moment counted and you know he, he was a sailor going out you know would take his boat out to sea and you know he knew one day that wouldn't you know be happening and so each moment was I mean they made the experience a spiritual journey which so many people um, resist because it, it's it's not easy. It's interesting, is,
0: isn't it? It's it. a bit like they're, they're taking away the layers of their human nature. And as they take away the human uh, those layers, it really exposes you know, your true nature, your God nature. And then from that point on, you've got this different launching pad and how to think, how to feel, how to experience on all levels. I'm just you know, thinking about what Sebastian's taught over the years. Is, is that you know people get so involved in their human nature and they identify with themselves so much from that particular point. And as he puts it, that is important, obviously, to a certain degree, why you are on earth. But then it's not about letting your human nature get in the way of our God nature or overwhelm our God nature. Because the moment we do that, then this is where we get so caught up into patterns and habits and attitudes and ideas that invariably become counterproductive to us. And of course, the moment we latch onto that God vibration, and I know that every people I've talked to who've done that, they say, well, it just made sense. They didn't know how it made sense. But as I put it, well, it, you don't know how because it goes beyond thinking. And and it even goes beyond human feeling. It goes into the realms of just being source, being consciousness itself. And from that point, you begin to think on um, different levels. And I think that if you think about it every day of our life. We've got that opportunity. To actually experience that and to create our lives on that particular platform. And so it helps us to organize our human nature in a way where we do get the results that we actually want. And it's about being consistent with that just on a day-to-day level and not think of it from a point of, you know, well, in six months, I I hope to be more involved or whatever. It's more of a matter of, no, today I'm God and today I make the decision and today this is the best I can actually do without putting any pressure on yourself. And don't you feel that people put a lot of pressure on themselves trying to get God?
1: Well, I think so. I think, I think so many people, you know, almost out of, I don't even know. But first of all, part of it's fear-based. If I don't go to church every Sunday or if I don't do this or if I don't do that, a lot of those rules, people that are driven by, oh my gosh, I'm going to be punished if I don't do all of these things. And, you know, I remember, you know, I was raised Catholic and I remember saying as a child to my mother, some of these people who come to church on Sunday are just, they're just fake mom. They're not, they don't do it every day. They're, they They—they come in here and act like, I mean, I don't even know how I knew this, but I just even knew back then, like people were transparent to me. And, um, and my mom's like, you, you shouldn't say things like that. But, you know, I said, but it's true. I said, 'They're.'" They think that they can come to church on Sunday and make everything else okay. And I said, that is just, you know, that is just not right. And then I can remember asking the nuns, well, if God made us, who made God? You know, I, I wanted to, be like, I mean, not out of a way of challenging them, but, of course, you know, they interpret it as, oh, what a terrible thing to ask. And so,
0: well, well, you know. Well, totally, was, you know, it, it reminded me when I was a child and I went to Sunday school. and I remember the teacher was um, talking about, when we go into spirit and, and when we finally live this, this this life, we're all going to go out and sing with the angels and we're going to sing glory to God uh, forever and ever, and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. I remember saying to my friend next to me, I oh go, God, how boring. <laughs> and then the Sunday school teacher heard what I did and and said, who's the only little boy who doesn't want to sing glory to God in heaven forever and ever and <laughs> ever?
1: Oh, you were in terrible trouble, just terrible trouble. I know, I know. But it's, you know, and right now more than ever, you know, these little children running around are, I mean, they don't, they don't understand the rules that they've inherited from, from the generations above. Many of them, you know, are just very different. And I was at a conference myself in Chicago, I guess about three weeks ago, and started having this conversation with this interesting man in the elevator and um, then we both got off at the same floor and one thing led to another and, you know, just chatting. And I said, yeah, I said, I'm turning 60. And I said, I said, my little guy, my youngest child's going off to college. And he goes, Oh, love child. And I said, I said, what? And he says, whenever you have a child of 30, it's a love child. And he was from India, but he lived in um, Singapore. And and at any rate, he says, what is, what is your son's birthday? And so I told him, and he says, oh, he's a very spiritual young man, and he won't stand for injustice anywhere. Uh, and I kept waiting for him to say what everyone has said that is read his chart, whether it's a Vedic astrologer or, you know, any, uh, three different astrologers have said. And and uh, in addition, a person who does aura photos, every single one, this child is very spiritually advanced. This may very well be his last lifetime. You know, don't be surprised at all with some of the things that comes out of his mouth, and you know, like like, okay, not a problem. I guess that's why God asked me at age forty two here's a, here's a special assignment <laughs> it's like <laughs> he, and he's changed my life, you know, I've often wondered like it was almost like a oh, you know like a governor on a car where you can't go too fast <laughs> mm-hmm. i mean yeah, because, just you know how are you
0: in line a little bit. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know. And before he was born, I was teaching in Sedona. I was teaching in Anchorage, Alaska. I was I don't know. I was all over the place. But Spirit Seeker was a newsletter um, for like three or four years. And then when I was pregnant with with my son, I was in Sedona meditating, and I clearly heard start a magazine and have it in place before the child is born. I'm like, what? I mean, I was in total silence. You know, just being with everything. And I and I hear, start the magazine and have it in place before the child is born. And in my usual way, I'm like, um, excuse me, is there a little more information? Can you, can you just a little more total silence, total silence. Well, I think the thing to remember and, about
0: stuff like that is that it, it's actually part of an agreement that you made. So even though that you were given that information, it was information that you would have known already. And obviously, uh, God's out there decided, right, you better get on with
1: this. It's really important. You know, So, I've been doing this for 20 years. And it's like, I don't know. I mean, I'm so grateful because, you know, that's how I, I mean, Dolores Cannon was one of the keynote speakers at one of my conferences. Um, I did 28 of them in, in, like, you know, 16 years. And this is the first year we haven't done one. But, you know, I, my life is going in different directions now. And, but I, but, you know, you met Dolores. I mean, she looked, she looked, I guess I should say, like, anyone's grandmother and then she would start
0: Uh, talking. Absolutely. When when I, um, it was interesting how I first met Dolores because um, I'd actually come across one of her books and I was reading um, her book. I can't remember which one it was, probably one of the Convoluted Universe ones. Anyway, I had this um, call from friends of mine who lived in Christchurch and they said, um, oh, have you heard of Dolores Cannon? And I said, "Um, well, I'm actually reading one of her books just as we speak. Why? And they said, well, we're actually going to bring her to Christchurch and set up a, a seminar for her. And we had this absolutely strong feeling that you had to meet her. Well, with that, I've got this rush of energy going through my body. So I went downstairs. And this was pre-Alzheimer's days with my wife, and I said to her, but I, I just had this most bizarre conversation. I have to go down to Christchurch. I've got to meet this woman. And my wife got the same rush of energy. She said, look, I know you have to do this. So I took the week off work and flew down stayed with my friends, met Dolores, and it was just this, like you said, it was like meeting someone's grand. And and we just had instant rapport, which was just remarkable. And she met Tabash, and uh, you know, I had a good time with him, and then, uh, invariably, they invited me to go and, and speak at um the conference, which I did, and then Dolores and Tabash uh, went around several states, around America, and we, did, um, we spent a week in Sedona, we did work there, and we went all different places. So uh, we became quite roadies on, on, on the road, and it was it was like a family, you, you just felt that you found part of your whole family.
1: Right. Well, in Ozark Mountain Publishing, I mean, it's up on a mountain. I mean, she owned a good part of that mountain, and the family lives up there, and it's it's in this beautiful part of, of Arkansas, Arkansas, and then I think it's Huntsville. Uh, no, it's like beautiful. Huntsville. I used to call it yeah. Cannon Mountain. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. They're like mountains. And then, I don't know. I But I do know that Dolores is just fabulous, and when she did my regression, she took me back into a lifetime as a Delphi Oracle, and when I was in grief, I knew. I was like, oh, my goodness. You know, I just, I didn't totally understand everything that I was feeling, but you know, Dolores just totally, totally helped me with that. And, you know, I, I at that time, I still had this pattern of hurting myself and um, like falling and breaking things. And she just, she said, you know, I think we've cleared that. And I kid you not, the very next day, I'm in the spa and I fell again. And so it was like, you know, it, but was okay. You know, I mean, each, each of them has taught me something that, you know, I, I mean, the main thing I hear her sometimes is just slow down, you know, and, Mm. you know, just relax. Mm. I think that's what you're saying with, you know, when we're so present, it's a different experience.
0: Well, of course it is, because when you're present, then you're able to engage with uh, the power of life. And, and, you know, when we get so distracted, then what we end up doing is detaching from um, the the power source. It's a bit like turning away from life, really. And and so I I just remembered something the other day when I was driving through town. I was just at some light, and all of a sudden I saw all these little tiny lines of light coming out of my heart. Chakra. But each little tiny line of light was attached to the car next to me and and the bus that was going by in the building. It packed everything, and then as I turned to go into the street, I I just saw that all the lines moved and I looked around and everything was exactly the same. Everything was just moving, all these lines of light. And I suddenly realized that, you know, because I was just relaxed and I was being very present and I was just suddenly conscious, this is collective consciousness. There is no degree of separation. You know, everything is me, you know, I'm that I'm those people in the past. I'm that building. I'm I'm the sky, I'm everything and I felt this wave of understanding and, and the sense of completion that, that, that came to me. And it just made me have a giant smile on my
1: face. Wow. And, you know, there's this book, I don't even remember where I found it. It's called Cosmic Consciousness. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like Sir Francis Bacon and, you know, Emerson Thoreau, all these existentialists and just people who are philosophers, et cetera. And each one kind of told their story of somewhat, you know, each person's experience, of course, is different. But there's this cosmic moment where each of them felt the connection that you just, you know, described where we're all like so one with everything. Like it's hard to even put into words, mm. but but I know you know what I'm saying. And I thought, what a beautiful title for a book like that, Cosmic Consciousness. You know, and I need to find that book again on my shelf and um, I'm going through my books now. I have eight bookcases that are now six that you know, with Spirit Figure this is not a complaint, but we get we get three, four, five, six books a week, sometimes seven. And mm. it's just I mean, I just wish I could just stop sleeping altogether and just read. <laughs>
0: like, <laughs> well, I suppose what you could do is you could when you're sleeping you just send some little message to the party where that could read on another level. <laughs> oh, and I just absorb the information.
1: That's why I did with the Course of Miracles for a while. I remember my teacher, you know, saying, Well, if it if you can't get it you know, if you're having trouble, just put it next to your bedside and you'll get it up here Well,
0: or, or the thing is that you could always just, oh, I'm just going to go to the part of me that knows everything. Oh
1: my gosh, it's already there. Just like, yes, yeah, just give me the the highlights. But, um, oh my gosh. Isn't it great though, that when you get to that
0: point where um, you feel that connection and, and, you know, we, where I live now, Beach is just a couple of minutes down the road from me and we've got this beautiful um, mountain behind where you can go for a walk and, Um, Sometimes when I walk there, I I just remember that I'm the very ground I'm walking on, and everything around me is actually me. And you suddenly feel you're engaging in this uh, completely different relationship, not just with life, but with yourself, because you realize that you're being fed information from everything that is actually life. And okay, yes, it does mean that you become sensitive to also the pain that's going on around. But because you are coming out of your guard point, you actually put it in perspective and you don't allow that to affect you. And I'm just saying that because I know that there are listeners who are working and are healers and, and sometimes they feel that, you know, they're taking on board the energy of other people. And I think if you come at it from your guard point, then you're going to be able to be sympathetic and empathetic, but you can just leave it behind. And, and I think that's really, really important. Uh, when to just put that down and leave it alone. Because it's not yours to have. And and so you know, every human being has got an ability to serve people, but it doesn't mean you have to serve that person for the rest of their life necessarily. So you come into that person's life um, at a certain point, and you're a particular brand of magic for them at that particular point. But it's also and to recognize, no, nope, I've served my purpose here. I've done what I've needed to do and to move on with that. Would you agree?
1: I totally agree. I that's that's why you know I, I don't. Uh, it's not in a fatalistic way, but, but I say to all of my my kids and you know and and my clients, students, whatever, is you know this is it. You know we're not guaranteed any magical number, and you can live like a whole year in one moment. I mean, it's like it's like each moment is precious, and um, the more the more we just totally live in that vibration we affect everyone when we come in contact and it just makes the world a better place But mm-hmm. what you just
0: said I think is important you know what we do affects everybody else and you know it, and if we can become a lot more conscious of that then we become a lot more aware of what we're thinking what we're feeling what we're doing and of course that doesn't mean that we have to be you know, on high alert or on guard and, and afraid of, of our thoughts and feelings. It just means, um, or what's that phrase, whatever you pay attention to becomes your life. But to remember also, whatever you pay attention to is going to become other people's lives as well, or part of people's lives. And so when we realize the possibility we have in, in what we're actually creating, then you know, we we take a good look at what we're thinking and what we're feeling and what we're doing and not be careful, but be more aware of how we're directing our thoughts our at our, our way of participating in life, okay.
1: and that's that's what um that's where the responsibility comes in you know where we're each responsible for our own minds i mean there are minds, there are bodies, there are emotions and you know, I, I mean, Master Emoto's work, you know, I just will never forget that, um, where they actually were able to watch the prisms of the water change with mm. with what the name, like love, um, you know, uh, hate. And you could actually see the molecules of the water, the actual molecular structure change by the thoughts. And some book that was put in my hands, like, I don't know, probably a long time ago. I was in my early 20s. It was called The Science of Happiness. And it was just this little small book. But it talked about measuring the breath and how people who are angry and mad, the breath that came out of them was like brown, black, you know, mm. it was like dark. And yet people who are happy and loving and, and that frequency of just really being a loving person and receiving love, um, their breath was pink and white. And, you know, Mm -hmm. this book was written, I don't know, like really a long time ago. (laughs) Like, the science of happiness is basically the more happy you are and the more you're in that vibration, the more it all shifts.
0: Of course it does. And, you know, I've noticed that uh, the more I've become more conscious of my own God nature, um, and you're talking about uh, the, the, the whole sense of people's molecules, I've actually realized that every emotion has a smell. And and whenever I've been around people being angry for whatever reason, it, it, it's like they smell quite metallic. It's an interesting sort of vibration and an interesting um, scent that they use. And I've done a lot of work uh, around palliative care, working with people who are dying, and there is a smell of death. It, it's actually hard to describe what it is, but but you, know, you you just know that 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 person's close as much as there's the smell of happiness smell of profit, you know, it's, it's, everything has a has a scent, basically.
1: Right, right, and most people you know, I mean, that's, you know, if people who are gifted psychically and, et cetera, um, you know, the clairsentients, the the clairgustians, mm. all of those, the clairs, you know, but especially smells, I was a nurse first, and oh, can you imagine being a nurse not knowing that you're psychically gifted, at that time I just knew things, but I didn't know how I knew them. And, um, I mean, oh, you know, I, I smell things and I can, I know when people are ill way before they know it, you know, and, and I've always been fascinated with death and dying. And, you know, from the time I was in nursing school, writing papers on it. And then later when I was working on a different degree, I was, I wrote papers on hospice and, you know, I was just telling someone that when my mother was dying, she did the whole deal in three months. She was told she had three to six months and three months to the day she was gone. And I actually tried dating someone during that time who was a Buddhist. um, He was a Buddhist and he was here from Japan living here. And he, he became very close to my mother. I mean, we stopped dating after like two weeks. I'm like, I can't date someone while my mom's dying. This is just like way too much. But somehow the two of them had this relationship and I don't know. I think it was some karma with his dad had died before he got his plane was landing in Tokyo right as his dad crossed. And somehow with my mom, he was working something out, and my mom was working something out with him. But I remember him saying, Do not let them take her body until um, I have come and done the chance. I'm like, All right. And then this Native American lady who um, I had met in other social um, situations called me up one day and said, I'm just bored. I'm just so bored. I'm falling asleep. Don't you have anything over there at Spirit Secret that I can do? And I'm like, oh, gosh, Mary. I said, you've met my mom. My mom is, like, making your transition soon. And I said, I could use your help just helping me with my mom. And I said, I'll pay you. She goes, oh, no, 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 no. I just want to volunteer. I'm tired of sitting here sleeping. And so she shows up for the last two months and she brought all this stuff from the reservation from the medicine man this incense and just beautiful things and then um this yoga teacher i work i work out of my home and this yoga teacher came by to pay her bill in the middle of my <laughs> it was like two wild players just like okay what else is going to show up <laughs> anyway she says do you mind if i put some rose quartz Crystal's on your mom to help her, help her, and I'm like, no, that's fine, and then unbeknownst to me, Mary, the Native American woman, and my mom's father was half Native American, um, she had called her daughter, who was this, the Perpetual Adoration Society of the Catholic Church, which I have no idea, and she came, and she's giving my mother her last rite. Oh, no. It was a three-ring <laughs> circus. And but yet I knew it was God just like every which way, and then you know, after my mom did cross, you know, then um, Mitsu came and did the Tibetan chant, you know, our Buddhist chants all around her. And you know, I told the hospice workers, you can't come just just take the body, you need to delay it a little We have some things we need to do, and so it was like I don't even know how to describe it, but you knew God's hand was on every, in every bit of it, you know, and um, and you know, my son we were talking about it. He's, you know, we were traveling for two days and he says, I can not remember coming home from school. He says, I was only in second grade. And I remember all of you around grandma holding hands and you had this circle and were, I don't know if you were praying or what you were doing. He says, but I just remember Uncle Mark, my older brother, saying, Noah, come on in the living room and, and here's a glass of soda, And, you know, your grandma isn't going to be with us much longer. So you just, you know, just have a seat here and just relax and, and we'll be back. Like I don't even remember this, you know, <laughs> just, I don't know. But you know, God works in mysterious ways and I thought only my mom would call in a Buddhist. She got her Catholic deal, she got her <laughs> Native American deal and you know, and I'm just like and my mom was like, I don't know She wanted to make sure, obviously <laughs> <laughs> it cover was, all the yeah, bacon. I know, she covered it all. But okay, so I just want to give some information. Listeners, um, you are hearing this wonderful, beautiful voice on the other end is Blair Styra, who is going to be one of the featured keynote speakers at the Ozark Mountain Transformation Conference coming up July 17th through 19th. The website is wwwtransformation com. You can also call... There are So many different speakers And this is the 10th Celebrating 10 years This always sells out So you need to call You need to get your hotel Or your bed and breakfast booked Because um, it will be a sold out event And um, the Transformation Conference Is way ahead of the game They're beyond like Just um, recording what happens They satellite beam it They're just really techies They're really good um, and just just know that if you find your way there, you are in the right place at the right time. There is everything from uh, Catherine Andrews speaking about teaching the indigo child uh, to Garnet Schul- Schulhauser, who has written Dancing on a Stamp and Dancing Forever. He'll be talking about astral journeys with um, his spirit guide. Um, of course, we have Blair Steyra. We have... Um, Ronald Chapman, just so many different people. And the other second uh, keynote speaker that's featured is Dee Wallace, who will be uh, talking about You Are the Creator. There will be beautiful music. Shelley Wilson, uh, who has been a speaker at one of Spirit Seekers conferences, and I just adore Shelley. She's an intuitive medium and Reiki master and spiritual growth coach. She will be speaking. There's going to be a special video tribute to. Uh, Dolores Cannon, who's the founder of all of this, who made her transition in October 2014. Guy Needler will be there. Sherry Cortland will be there. She went through an abduction experience and she's going to be um, as a child and she'll be talking about um, raising vibrations through balanced chakras and direct communication with spirit. You can hear the theme through spirit, through spirit. So there's other people that you can all find out all this information on the website and... Um, I just can't say enough about the good works. And, um, and, Blair, you know, we have we have just a couple more moments. We, what, what else would you like to say in closing to just anything you want to share or Tabash wants to share through you?
0: Well, actually, I'd like to share an experience I had. It's about Dolores, actually. And um, it was the, uh, the moment she passed. And um, last year in October, my wife had um, two cardiac arrests. Oh. And she was um, in hospital for eight days. Uh, The day she was admitted, I didn't get home to about two in the morning. So I had a cup of tea, went into bed, and straight away, I started having the most unusual dream. And in the dream, I was in this big old house full of white furniture. And as I walked through the house, the music from Andrew Lloyd Webber's cat, I think the the music memory was, was playing. I remember thinking in the dream, well, this is a bit weird. Then the thought came to me, I'm in the house of someone who's passed, but I don't know who's passed. And then I woke up, and then suddenly I saw this picture of Dolores running towards me. And she was going, look at me now, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And then I woke up, and then the moment I woke up, I got a text from Julia saying that Dolores had just passed.
1: You were so tuned in with her, I could feel it. Oh, my goodness.
0: I just okay. laugh. The thing is, i got to say this I never have shed a tear for her because I just no, feel so much to. her she's joy, yummy.
1: her That's happiness,
0: right. her completeness. Right. I just can't feel sad that she's gone because she's not.
1: No, she's not. She's still living through all of us and everything. She's, um. oh, my goodness. Okay, we the, the show is going to go boop. We're going to be off the air. Blair, okay. thank you for being my guest. Thank you so much for uh, the work. Thank you for inviting me. Doing, and your devotion. Okay, all right, listeners, thank you so much. Have a blessed week, and go out in the world and make a difference. You are perfect and whole right here, right now, and so it is. All right, good night, everyone. (laughs) Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino that's right chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes chumba chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details